Welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. This is the late mail edition for round 17. As always, Wacker's Whispers brought to you courtesy of the big man himself, on his behalf anyway. And uh, we answer your Twitter questions as always. But before we get into that, I do want to clarify a couple of things I said on the last uh, episode from earlier this week. I don't like getting things wrong and I had, um, unfortunately messed up a few numbers and things like that so first and foremost i want to clarify so i was speaking about jamal fogarty i mentioned that he was the highest averaging halfback in the last three rounds behind nathan cleary that was based off the numbers prior to round 16's lockout and long story short due to uh, big scores from adam reynolds the 123 jerome luai 83 and carl flanagan 92 and fogarty's getting downgraded to 69 Basically, he ended up fifth highest uh, behind Cleary for the last three rounds, but 69 average uh, compared to Reynolds, 84, Luai, 72, Flanagan, 72. Before that, Fogarty was averaging 71 behind Cleary only. So that's the... uh, If if I confused anyone with that, but um, fact remains, obviously, Fogarty, great upcoming draw, super low ownership, super high risk as well. But, you know, if, if you want to pivot from everyone jumping on AJ Brimson... And you've got a spare halfback spot behind Cleary to, to do that. That would be a, a super high-risk option there for you, for the real thrill-seekers amongst you. And the other thing I did get wrong, I was talking about the the tries being scored against, uh, I was mentioning with the Sign Masters, joining Carl Felt on the right edge again. Uh, I talked about Ikevalu scoring his five tries or four tries. Apologies on that because he scored them on the right wing um, when they, was, they were picking on basically... Connolly Lumulu, the rookie, playing center for the first time, I think, that year, um, earlier this year. So that was wrong. I was thinking of Mike Acevo, though, scoring four tries against Masters Felt. So I, was, I had the right number roughly in my head, just the wrong player. So again, just wanted to clarify that. I don't like getting things wrong, and they stuck out to me. So another shout-out to Stormer, who pulled me up on that because he owned Ikebalu. And yeah. So yeah, look, without further ado... Wackus Bispers, round 17. Here we go. You've got mail, baby, yeah! First game is the Thursday night game for the Broncos and the Panthers. The Broncos welcome the return of Payne Haas from suspension, also Isaac Luke from suspension, and hopefully Corey Oates. Um, he's c- taken part in the captain's run with his left knee heavily strapped up. He's going to play in the left wing, expected outside Herbie Farnworth. Richard Kennard moves to the right wing outside Tony Staggs, and that's what we're expecting to see happen. Ben Teo is in a bit of doubt, though, because of a wrist injury. He might be a late withdrawal. That might see Pride Pedersen Rabadi debut off the bench, and alternatively, Jesse Arthurs is the only other name in the 19. So if, for example, Oates is not ready to take his place in the wing, maybe Oates goes onto the bench and Arthurs comes into the back line. So definitely keep an eye out for late mail there. On the Panthers' side, they they look set to have one major change, and that's Api Corosau coming back. Uh, he took part in the captain's run on Thursday after he missed last week due to a calf injury. He's expected to replace Mitch Kenny in the 17 at hooker. Billy Kikau returns on the left edge after he missed last game due to suspension. Moses Leota was in some doubt due to an ankle injury, but he's expected to play after he took part in the captain's run. And Kurt Catewell is also expected to return off the bench after missing uh, a lot of weeks due to a knee injury. Now, the remaining players in the 17, uh, in the 19, rather, are Billy Burns and Api Corosal. So, 
that's yeah, that's what we're expecting to see there. For the Knights and the Sharks, the Knights have Pierce uh, a shoulder and Mitch Barnett sternum, both in some doubt due to the injury suffered on the weekend. They did train with the squad all week, and there's been chat that uh, Barnett should play with a sternum guard, and he also may need to get needled up as well. So uh, safe to say, I think if Barnett is one of your players, it might be a your first choice to to rest if you could uh, play someone else instead. Ed Guerra is also potentially in some doubt. If he's ruled out, Brody Jones will start, and Jiro Mamesia will come onto the bench. The only other change being last week, uh, Randall, a chance to come onto the bench to replace Crossland, um, and, and he'll play off the bench as hooker. The Sharks welcome back Chad Townsend from a calf injury. He's returned to full training, just needs to get through the captain's run in order to be a confirmed starter. Josh Dugan and Scott Sverenson were both in some doubt due to knee injuries, but they did train during the week and are expected to play. Jesse Ramian will play after he passed all his uh, HIA protocols. And even though he didn't return in the second half, that was apparently due to eye injury. But he trained this week and he's expected to play. Now, uh, late swap for Aaron Woods potentially being rested due to managing a knee injury with Andrew Fafida expected to come into the 17. And again, game day swap. Scott Sorensen starting at lock. Toby Rudolph back to the bench. And both wingers, um, Ronaldo managing an arm issue and Sienna Katoa neck are both good to go. The Rabbitohs and the Storm expect to be... The, the Rabbitohs expect to be 117, with Cook and Sirenen both expected to come overcome some knocks suffered last week to play. Adam Reynolds is also expected to play despite suffering a minor injury at training this week. Alex Johnson returns after missing last week's game due to concussion, and is named at, he's named at fullback, but expect to see Corey Allen play at fullback with Johnston on the left wing instead. Gagai returns from a hamstring injury, just needs to make it through the captain's run to, to take his place. For the Storm, they... Expect to have one change on the bench with currently Riley Jacks as well as Nico Hines named on the bench currently. Kenny Bromwich is on the extended bench. He just has to pass fitness test at the captain's run in order to prove his fitness. And if he does do that, he'll come in for Chris Lewis. Aaron Penne, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a middle forward, could make his NRL debut, uh, which he expect him to replace Riley Jacks if that's the case. Felice Kafusi back, Christian Welch knock. Both need to be checked at the captain's run, but are expected to play. For the Bulldogs and the Titans, Bulldogs look set to be 1-17 with uh, the retiring Carrot Holland, who is apparently going to move back to Newcastle and pick up the tools, effectively. He's going to play except this, despite managing a rib injury. And Luke Thompson, J.K. Averillo, who were both rested last week, returning on the bench this week. On the Titans side, they expect to receive a massive boost with Jai Arrow, looking set to return from a shoulder injury. He's returned to full training this week, just needs to pass his final fitness test at the captain's run, uh, which word is he's expected to do that comfortably, and he'll come into into the 17, but start on the bench. AJ Brimson, knock, Bo Firma, ankle slash concussion. Jamin Jolliffe, knock, and Tyron Peachy, ribs, are all expected to play. Corey Thompson expected to make way with Anthony Don, set to return from a rib injury in the right wing. Sam Lusone was uh, found not guilty at the judiciary on Tuesday night, so he's free to play. But he might be the one who drops out anyway for Jai Arrow's return. And Fodawaker returns from suspension, named on the bench, but he could end up being a late start, pushing Jared Wallace back to the bench. For the Seagulls and the Tigers, the Seagulls are expected to have one change, with Josh Schuster expected to come to the 17 to make his NRL debut from the bench. Curtis Sirenen copped a knock early in the game last week, but he's, he's expected to play, with Corey Waddell, the player to drop out to make way for Schuster. 
Abbas Miski comes onto the right wing to play the first game of the season for the injured Ruben Garrick. DC is expected to be handed goal kicking duties with Tafina Funa as backup if required. The Tigers' full 21-man squad trained this week with Adam Dewey, Cork, and Thomas McKayley, knee, both expected to overcome injuries to play, with the only potential change being minor, with Jacob Little starting at hooker, with Harry Grant dropping back to the bench as Michael Maguire looks forward to 2021. Bad news, obviously, for Grant owners, so get rid of him if you can. The Raiders and the Roosters. The Raiders do have Curtis Scott in serious doubt due to an ankle injury. He's expecting to... Scott to be ruled out with options of Semi Valame, who's recovered from a knee injury, or Matt Tomoko, who debuted last week, coming onto the bench, and CHN will start at centre. There's also potential that Ricky Stewart could again continue rotating with uh, his middles with Tom Starling, Donald Stui, and Hudson Young, starting with Josh Papali, Saliva Havili, and Ryan Sutton, or Joseph Tarpane dropping back to the bench. The Roosters apparently have some bloke named Sonny Bill Williams set to play his first game of the season, despite not training with the squad earlier this week. And this obviously will end up overshadowing Josh Morris's 300, 300th NRL game. So congratulations to Jay Moz, obviously. That's quite an achievement. Luke Keery returns from a rib injury, is confirmed to start, which is great news for the Roosters. Jake Friend is in some doubt after he failed to finish the game last week due to HIA. He will need to pass all required protocols to play with the captains on Friday. The key, but if he's ruled out, Freddie Lussick will start at hooker. Drew Hutchinson will come onto the bench to be the backup option. Angus Crichton, uh, knee, and Mitch Orbson, wrist, both trained early in the week. Could be late inclusions, but the final call will be made at the captain's run. So, yet again, the weekly, let's look at the Roosters' captain run photos and decide who's playing and who's not. <laughs> That'll begin again. For the Warriors and the Eels, the Warriors looks set to be 1-17. They've named all fit players available, and they still only were able to name a 20-man squad. Tohu Harris passed uh, game day HIA, and he's been monitored, expected to play. Peter Hiku is also fit to play after he copped a knock to his ribs during the last week's game. The Eels do come into this game off a 10-day turnaround and a pretty bad loss, so they're going to be 1-17. Reed Marnie set to overcome a leg injury. Murata Nikore returns from suspension, and Jai Field replaced Dylan Brown on that left side halves position. Lastly, the Cowboys and the Dragons. The Cowboys look set to be 1-17. With the Hammer, Hamiso Tabue Fido returning after missing last week's game due to a hamstring injury. He trained with the squad this week to prove his fitness and he will play. Kyle Felt also should be good to go after he copped a knock during the game on the weekend. Gavin Cooper returns on the left edge. Isai Masters at the right centre after they both got dropped early in the season. On the Dragon side, they're expecting to be 1-17 with bench hooker Brilli Britton undergoing the concussion protocols after he didn't finish the game last week. Presently, he's passed all stages of the protocols and is expected to play. Jordan Pereira will play after staying down last week after copying a knock, but he trained with the squad this week and he should play. Tyrell Fuimaono turns after missing the last two weeks due to suspension as well. And that is Wacker's Whispers for round 17. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right, looking at your Twitter questions for another week, starting off with Wayne Walters at Dougie17110. Hi, boys. Yo and Kotrick traded out to Toro and the Fox. Thoughts? Elimination final, head-to-head, and inside the top 1,000 overall. Thanks, Dougie. Look, I, I think people know how much I like Brian Toro, so no issues at all with that. Uh, with the news that Yo is currently only expected to miss one week, 
Uh, I think that makes him a hold if you can you can handle that. Um, so unless you desperately need to f- trade him out so you can fill a fourth center wing position this week, I'd probably give him a, a hold if you've got someone else you can replace him with. As for trading in the Fox, I mean, Adokar, I think I always struggle with him because we know what his ceiling's like, right? Every year he's got one or two games where it goes 120 to 150 or whatever, and that was last week. One thing he has been is very inconsistent, so... I don't know whether or not he is going to have another big game like he is like he did for the rest of the year. I know he's averaged seventy since round ten till now, but you know in there he's got this one seven uh, one hundred thirty seven score and also a seventeen, and that's my issue. Like he's never really been a workhorse, and he often you know can disappear. Having said that, the last four weeks he has averaged you know between 37 to 51 in base and base attack off the back of five tackle bus per week and then last week's 11 tackle bus so that's the only thing i would be worry wary about he does have a lower floor i don't mind obviously you know he's got a big ceiling so i guess it depends if you think the storm are going to be heavy on the left hand side and he's going to have a couple more spike games then absolutely he is a great he's going to be a good pod he's a risky one but yeah, that's the only thing I would think about there. Uh, honestly, if you could, if you can get away with not having to trade him out, uh, sorry, trade out Yo and just survive one week and then grab, uh, sorry, bring Yo back in for next week on, that's probably the way I'd lean. But if um, you, know, you really need the win this week, yeah, I, I don't mind it. It's, it's obviously a gut call. I know the score from last week can be tempting and I just don't, like, I think if you look, you'll never see back-to-back big scores aside from one little stretch where he he, he went on a couple hundreds in a row, uh, I think last year, actually. So, yeah, if you think that's going to happen, then go for it. Otherwise, mildly elsewhere, personally. Next question comes from Mr. Smith at uh, Mr. Incognito. Who would you get for the run home out of Cook, Toro, and Coruscant? Other option is Bunt to DCE or Brimson via Jules, but then you have AE Avarillo on my bench. Yeah, look, I'd definitely try to find a trade where you can get rid of Avarillo. And for that reason, it sounds like you're probably staying away from trading up Bunt to either DC or Brimson. Now, it's tough without knowing what your team looks like because, you know, I, I've, I've been supporting Cook as a decent supercoach option um, all throughout this. I know you guys have listened to me argue with Bear on that one multiple times. Again, you guys know how much I love Toto and... Appy, if he's coming in this week, he's got the Broncos and, you know, it's going to be a really, really safe option to, to jump on him, um, barring any concerns regarding injury. So I guess, again, running home, I don't know who you got at Hooker, so assuming you've got Smith maybe or like a Tavanga or McInnes or something like that, honestly, I'd probably lean Toro. Assuming you are upgrading, say, Avarillo to him, that would be the ideal outcome there. And, you know, to have Toro as one of your top four center wing uh, would be, I think, a great outcome. So that's where I'd lean. Uh, but look, if you want to shoot us your team, uh, I can have a look and see what probably suits you best based off those names there. Uh, next question comes in from Brendan Fenton at Defense, one of our champs, uh, and currently leading our champs group, actually. <laughs> so is Haas a must to bring back in this week? I want to trade SJ to DCE and don't want to pay don't want to play Rapana as my full center wing this week, so looking at Toto. Currently have Papali 
and Carrigan in my front row forward. Honestly, I think you probably still want to have Haas. Um, it'd be ideal to get him this week, but I just I guess the way I'd look at it is um, how it's going to hurt your scores. So either he bangs out another 75, 80 score straight up, and you know you probably end up getting him next week because you need to, or he might have a big game and score a try because we know he can just bust that out out of nowhere. He hasn't done it this year, but he did it multiple times last year. Having said that, if you want to avoid playing Rapana this week, if you're concerned that he might only score like a 20 or 30 or whatever because he's got a tough matchup against the Roosters, and, you know, Toto could end up scoring another 80, 90-plus score. And so if that's the case, then the gap between whoever you've got currently in your front row forward uh, or, or one of your top four uh, reserve options and Haas versus, I guess... Rapana to Toro. I think that's probably how I'd look at it. And I'm assuming you're training SJ to DC due to uh, you, you need someone to cover you at 5'8", basically. So, yeah, look, that's what, how I'd look at it. And and I don't want to keep banging on about how much I like Toro. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like Rapana to Toro is a big upgrade as opposed to SJ to DCE or... Um, even though SJ is obviously not in this week, but I'm assuming you've got some cover at 5.8 to, so you don't have to make that trade. And yeah, you know, if you're trading out Purpley or Carrigan in the Haas, then I wouldn't do that. I'd definitely do Rapana. But yeah, it just depends where you're trading Haas in for. So yeah, that's I think that's the way I'd look at it. And the next question comes in from at Deep Longstop. Almost solved me on DC. I haven't seen any word on goal kicking, but there is no one else in that squad, is there? Well, as per Wackers Whispers, DC expected to kick, and uh, Funa would be his backup. I had a look. So DC had a pretty rough start as a goal kicker back in 2011 when he first debuted. He kicked at like 60% or thereabouts. And, you know, as a backup kicker, he only got a couple of kicks, you know, maybe five kicks in the last, in the next five years or something like that. Before, in 2017, 18, 19, he started kicking a little bit more. And he actually, uh, it showed he obviously had practiced because... He was sitting at a 78% and also an 81% kicking average um, in 2018-2019. In so I'm a little bit surprised that Garrick took over because Garrick, uh, he started off well, but his overall kicking percentage, even last year, was lower than DCE. And he's, Garrick's not been good this year. He's averaging, I think, he's uh, 72% uh, success rate. So I honestly think DCE might be an upgrade there, kicking-wise as well. So I think he could be good. So, look, I'm, I'm not here to sell people in DC or not. I am obviously a big fan myself, even without goal, goal, dog, sorry, even without the goal kicking. So I think the fact that he has these goal kicks, I think it'll, it should tip anyone who's on the fence. It should tip him over the line. And just a couple of last questions, I think, um, that relate to Angus Crichton. So, firstly, Torben Rolston at Torbsey. I've somehow kept Genghis Crichton, but with the logjam and uncertainty of players in the Roosters' back row and benches, am I mad to just sell him to Haas? Obviously, need to do it before the first game. Honestly, that's a really tough one. Um, the mail is unclear as to whether he's going to come in, so I would probably go ahead and do it, because even if he's in, like, I can't see him jumping straight into starting, not with the way that Tupanua, how well he's playing. I don't think he'll hold him out long term. It's just, you know, if, if you're going to get him first game back, you're probably easing him back in as opposed to whacking him straight in that starter and playing him for 80 minutes or whatever. Like, similar to what, you know, they, they did with Cordner last week. 
So that is my gut feel. I think, yeah, selling him to Haas makes sense. And honestly, I don't think Crichton's going to get 80 straight up. He may not even start first week. Or even if he does, he's going to play 50, 60 minutes probably. That's my gut call. Um, and that flows on well to the question from Dan at Barker Storm Tiger. He was asking about uh, Angus as well. He held him. You think he gets Eddie again or has Toop stole his edge? Sell him. Look, I don't think Tupinor stole his edge. It will be Angus's when he's back to full fitness and, you know, including not just from his injury, but full match fitness. So as for whether you sell him, look, if you can sell him to Haas or something like that, I probably would do it unless you had some other option. That would probably make your team stronger is my guess. But, you know, if you might only have to wait a week before he's starting again. And if that's the case, you'll be frustrated to have hold him, held him for so long only to sell him just a week before he gets the starting 80-minute roll again or whatever it is. So, yeah, look, I, I think it's a gut call. Honestly, I would probably sell him. I don't see him playing 80 straight up, and there's no guarantee that he starts the next game either. So, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's a gut call. We don't have really much information on that one, so, yeah. Next question is also DC versus AJ, have Munster. Will Garrick be back to take the goalkeeping back? Will he lose his attacking stats when Turbo returns? Or is AJ's 2-4 line breaks a week unsustainable? Thanks. Okay, so will Garrick be back? Apparently he's due back round 20. So that still gives DC three weeks of goal kicking. Will he lose attacking stats when Turbo returns? Probably. Uh, will Turbo return? We don't know. Uh, there is, a, like I said, some rumor, some chat, some speculation maybe that he might come back round 19 and 20, give him a bit of match fitness before Origin later in the year. Which seems weird, because he'll play, what, two games, and then he'll have five weeks off while the final series goes on, and then Origin will be after that. So I, I don't know what happen, what's happening with Turbo. I don't have the answer, unfortunately, on that one. But yes, if he comes back, he most likely will lose attacking stats, but we've also seen, uh, and most memorable, memorably, is uh, round three last year, Turbo's first game back against the Warriors in Christchurch. Uh, Turbo went 150 plus DC right there with him, 150 plus as well. They were feeding each other attacking stats all, all game long. So, yeah, he probably will lose attacking stats the way the Seagulls attack, but there's also a chance that he benefits too because, you know, he's DC is one of the best support runners, I think, um, as far as halfbacks go. Like, he's always there in support anytime the break's made. So, that's why he does back up really well and score a lot of tries, just like all good halfbacks do, really. And lastly, is AJ's 2-4 line breaks again unsustainable? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you'll see anybody who makes that many line breaks consistently. But is it likely that he's going to still get some attacking stats in the next couple of weeks? Looking at that draw, absolutely. So I think DC is the safer option, surprisingly, over AJ. Um, because he's going to have that goal kicking, that always helps. And DC already has a great floor to begin with. Um... But AJ, his form is undeniable. So I think it's just a gut call right now. Um, it depends also how your halves are set up. I think if you've got... I mean, it sounds like you... I would assume you've got Cleary. It sounds like you've got Munster there. So whether you're getting DCE to back up Cleary or you're getting AJ to back up Munster. Uh, and what's your plan if one of the... You know, if there is an injury to Cleary or if he's rested a week, do you have a backup halfback? Or if Munster gets another rest or whatever, do you have a backup 5-8? I think that's probably how I'd look at it. And, you know, just gauge what would be more important for you in terms of having a backup. 
because if you don't have a backup for either, uh, maybe you want to have a dual position to be able to move back and forth between the two of them. In which case, you'd probably want to go for a Flano or a Luai or someone like that where they can swap in between the two spots there. But yeah, obviously that's team, team dependent. If you're asking me to pick in a vacuum, DC safer, AJ currently um, better form, better draw. So uh, I think oh, it's not really that much better, honestly. The only reason it's better is because they got the Broncos. I think across the four weeks, DC has the better draw. And the last question for this week comes in from Jacob Fisher at jfishdog101. Hey, Wolf, selling Talakai and Latrell this week. Pick the best two replacement options out of BMOS, Kelly, Mansour, Tor'or, Tupo, Stags, Brimson, DC, Moses. Leaning towards Tor'or and DC this week, but not certain. Oh, and there's a follow-up tweet. Add on to that list, D for Fida, Kikau, McInnes, Tohu, but looking for the upside. All right, so if you're talking upside, I would go ahead and rule out Tohu and McInnes. I'd probably rule out Stags as well just because I think some of the other options there have better upside. In terms of, like, uh, I guess I'm not sure what your setup looks like in terms of, you know, who else do you have at that um, second row position? Is this your fourth second rower or is this your fifth second rower? And how many options you have in the center wing? Like, who else do you have? I assume you've got Yo and Lomax and I don't know who else you might have, but... Look, that's a tough list to pick from. Uh, you've also obviously got two halves there. I'm missing, uh, do you have Avarillo? Is that how you're ma- managing to swap um, one of Talakai and Latrell out to get in, uh, you know, one of the halves? If that's the case, then I would find whatever trade you can to use um, to sell Avarillo. So if that is, that means you have to get one of DC or Brimson, then I would lean that way. As for which of the center wings, if you don't have, I would probably get one of the Panther or Rooster uh, center wings. I know Kelly's been on fire, but I just trust the the top four teams more. You know, Titans, they've been playing well, but at the end of the day, they're still the Titans. They've still only got four or five wins on the season. And, you know, they're building towards something, but that's probably more next year rather than this year. Kelly is, you know, playing well, but at the same time, like, I think the ceiling for Toto, I mean, if you're talking upside, like, it's hard to go past Brett Morris, right? He's the one who's hit 150. Mansour can go 110, 120, but I've never seen him go 150 like BMOZ has. Uh, and even Toto, like, he's got a great floor like Mansour, and it's the potential. Toto hasn't really been that 150 player himself yet, but... I mean, if he was playing on the right wing when Charlie Staines got f- four tries, like, that that would have been tall. Like, I, I was looking through the, the stats. If you combined all of the right winger, the Panthers' right winger tries, that person would currently be the leading try scorer in the NRL. So that's how many tries that right wing spot scores, which is why tall is a great shout, as well as he's a, you know, he makes a lot of runs, busts a lot of tackles, great option for that reason. So... Yeah, look, I think if Avarillo is one of your trade-outs, I would find whatever trade can get him out of your team. If it's not him that you're trading out and you've just got other options that you could trade... Yeah, I'm just trying to think, because you're saying you're selling Talakai and Latrell, so that to me says you've got to have a dual position to, to swap one of them, and I can only think of Avarillo being that option. So I would probably do whatever it takes to get Avarillo out of your team rather than selling one of Talakai and Latrell. 
And if you're asking me to pick, um, it would probably be BMOS in terms of upside. And if otherwise, it would be one of the the two Panthers wingers. And, you know, I like Toro because of lower ownership and the fact that he's less likely to get rested because he's been out with injury so long. If someone's going to get arrested, it'll be Mansoor. Um, if someone's going to get arrested at the Roosters, it'll be Brett Morris. So maybe even Tupo and Toro, the lower-owned guys probably, might be the way to go. Um, but yeah, again, Avrilo, if he's one of your trade, uh, one of the players in your team, I'd pick the trade to get him out of your team. So whether that's Brimson, DC, whatever, even Moses, uh, yeah, I'd probably go that way. Hope that helps. If not, um, you can always tweet me. Tweet at me and we can have another go on it. <laughs> Alright, that's all the Twitter questions for this week. Coming back to my trade decision, still pretty easy. Obviously, I have to get rid of Latrell. So, he's out of my team. He's Brian Toro as of tonight, I would assume. Uh, unless something drastic happens. And then, for my second trade, I'm a little bit torn on this one. But I'm leaning towards just going SJ out. And probably... Brimson, I don't know, Brimson or Munster, I'm, I'm still flip-flopping on both of them. I get really nervous with inj- injury-prone players, and Brimson has injury-prone written all over him, and the fact that he props, he pops up on every single, you know, Wackers Whispers with carrying a knock or something like that, that's, that's my hesitation on Brimson more so than anything, so I might end up going real safe with Munster, yeah, I don't know. If it's not one of these two, I'll tweet it out, but <laughs> it'll be one of them too come end of the day I might end up just holding off and deciding tomorrow because I don't need to trade that um, make that trade until SJ plays um, so until the Sharks play so SJ gets locked out so yeah I think that's me at the moment but look obviously it's a big week for head-to-head players I'm sure you guys know this already you're in the finals you know what you're doing but always make your trades as late as possible there's nothing worse especially these days with late withdrawals and things like that that'll really mess up your team and you know the the way I always approach head to head matchups, deciding trade ins. I always look at my the pods straight up and decide like if I've got fifty fifty. You know I've had people ask me should I get Mansour or Tor, and I go well who does your appointment have and and the the opponent they've got they've got Mansour and I go well go that way because that way at least you're cancelling out that uh, pretty dangerous pod. Or if you think that their team's stronger than yours, then you've got to go with the pod to create one so you go to or over Mansour and hope Mansour scores less than him so that's generally how I approach it uh, I used to be much more into head-to-head before I became more of an overall focused guy <laughs> maybe I should go back to head-to-head <laughs> I seem to have much more consistent overall results when I played head-to-head I always finished around uh, 1000 to 2000 in the ranks because I'd I'd ignore the buys but I'd be flying because you know my team would be pretty stacked generally speaking but yeah it's a rough year for me so all right i'll probably leave it there uh, good luck to everyone for your choices this week it's a critical week as always but yeah really keen to see what the the guys at the top uh what moves they make because it's going to be a fascinating finish for sure all right have a good one good luck everyone